All right, welcome to Northridge this morning. Good to see everybody. It's great to be with you today. And if we've never met, my name is Justin. I'm part of our student ministries team here at Northridge. And if you haven't heard it already, we want you to know that it's really an honor that you guys would spend part of your weekend with us, uh, especially on a holiday weekend. And now I have a, a very special honor of wrapping up our summer series called Unforgettable. We're killing the waterfall after this. And so you are the last ones to get to enjoy it, unfortunately. Maybe seven, eight years down the road, they'll bust it out for something else. But here we are after a great summer. And I got to encourage you, if you've missed any of the weeks this summer, we've heard some unforgettable truths from Brad, from some guest speakers, from other Northridge guys. And so if you missed any of those talks, feel free to jump on the website, northridgechurch.com, and look up some of those, those talks and really take that in. There have really been some great challenges. Now today, I want to start off a little bit different than normally. For me, uh, when I'm in front of a newer crowd, whether it's students or adults, I like to get a good feel for who I'm dealing with. Okay, if it's, if it's kids, I like to see what kind of grades are represented, whether we've got athletes or academics or everywhere in between. And so today I want to test you guys, and it'll really give me a chance to see who I'm working with in the audience. Here's how it's going to work. We're going to throw some quotes up on the screens, and when you see the quote and you recognize who that quote is attributed to, I want you to just shout it out, Okay. Don't be bashful. This is your chance to be the smartest person in the room. Or not. But either way, I want you to be with me, okay? All right, let's start with this first one. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Gandhi, very good. I heard it right away. We've got some smart folks in the crowd. Now, fun fact, this one's for free. He didn't necessarily say that. Okay, I hate to break your heart. He's got a couple quotes that dance around that idea. And somewhere along the line, I think somebody combined them to form something we could tweet, okay? And so he may not have said it directly, but that quote is attributed to Gandhi. So let's hit number two. Give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry, I didn't even finish. Here's the thing. I don't get to speak up here very often, so let me finish the quote. Come on. Give me that moment, but very good. Halfway through when you had it, Patrick Henry. How about this one? Do or do not, there is no try. Yes, Yoda, the Wookiee in the back. Well done. I'm impressed. Oh, it's just some guy that needs to shave. I apologize. Um, how about the next one? Read my lips. No new taxes. A heartbreaking moment for many of you, I know. George H. W. Bush. I think you guys got that one right. Well, yeah. Somebody, we got a fan over here. That was for me, I'm assuming. Um, how about one more? Say hello to my little friend. Yes, I heard the murmurs. Tony Montana from Scarface. Now that's one of those quotes, out of context, it never works. Am I right? Say hello to my little friend. It's either weird or insulting, no matter how you say it, but it is famous nonetheless. Now these are unforgettable words and phrases that stick in our mind, and they impact us, usually without much effort at all. And there's plenty more that we could think of, and if we threw them out there, you guys would recognize them immediately. Things like, life is like a box of chocolates. Or, I have a dream. Okay, we, we've just celebrated the anniversary of that great speech. Or, the British are coming. One of my favorites, fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> Very unfortunately, the iconic movie of my generation. How about, Father, forgive them. Or, etu brute. Or, to be or not to be. And your favorite and mine, I am your father. 
Sorry, that was a terrible British stage version of that quote. But it's not just the famous ones, is it? Think about things that you've heard from your parents, from your coaches, from your teachers, from your spouse, from friends throughout the years, things that stick in your mind and impact you. But did you ever stop to think that just like the things they say impact you, maybe the things that you say are unforgettable and impacting to them? Have you ever said anything that you immediately regretted? Guilty? I'm the guy who made the mama joke only to find out that mom had recently passed away. You wanted to laugh, but it's too sad, isn't it? How about this? Have you ever said anything that you regretted before the words even came out of your mouth? Before they were done? Okay, another confession for you. The word tool, it's a very small word, very short word, very tame and innocent word. However, when you're in the middle of a conversation with dad, and you use that word as an adjective to describe him, those first two letters come out very quickly, but the last two feel like an eternity. I know from experience, dad, you're such a two, and then the lights go out, and you wake up three days later, and you're like, who am I, and how did I get here? Big mistake. Have you ever said anything that you didn't regret until years later? I had a friend named Charlie in middle school, and we were very good friends, best friends. Hung out at school stuff, church stuff. We grew up in youth group together. Now, Charlie and I, as as close as we were, uh, he was the victim of a special skill that I had at that time of ripping on people. Now, we called it ripping. You might call it teasing or making fun. And it wasn't something that was in a typical bully fashion. It wasn't like, hey, give me your lunch money. It was, hey, I saw something about your clothes that's a little bit silly. I'm going to point it out and get a laugh. Or, hey, your hair is a little bit weird today. I'm going to point that out, make a joke about it, and get a good laugh. Now, a lot of times it was back and forth, but I was a lot better at it than Charlie was, and so he was a prime target for me. And I was always trying to be funny, always just trying to be silly. But then years later, as we were getting ready to graduate, I was having a conversation with Charlie, and he, we were just having one of those walk down memory lane conversations, but Charlie revealed to me that back in middle school, there was a point where he actually sat his parents down and asked if they could move to a different church so he wouldn't have to deal with me anymore. And that was devastating to hear that years later to experience that regret. And this is something where I'm getting better at it, uh, I've grown up a little, I've matured a little, and, but it's still something that I struggle with, and I gotta let you in on a little Powell family secret. We express our love with sarcasm and trash talk. All right, if you've been attending Northridge for any amount of time, I'm sure Brad has called you a loser from stage at some point. It's kind of his, his MO. But it's something that our, our family is known for. Like, we'll, I have a wife and two little kids now, and we'll go uh, hang out at my parents' house. And Brad is not my dad, by the way. God help us if there's a duplicate running around. Um, but we'll be at my parents' house, and if my dad happens to be late getting home, he'll walk in and see us, and it, he doesn't greet us with, oh, I missed you guys. Hey, I love you. Uh, so great to see you. Glad you're here. First thing he does when he walks in, almost every time, is point at us and go, Losers! And if it's not that, it's you dogs. And I look up from my chair and say, what's up, turd? (laughs) See, it's an adaptation from Tool. It's a lot nicer. Um, 
but we all know what we mean. We're glad to see each other. We love each other. Unfortunately, this has also manifested itself in the way that we interact with our kids. I remember going on hunting trips with my dad and climbing trees, and, and inevitably there would be a tree that I couldn't climb as well. The branches were too high, and so he would remedy that by grabbing my wrist and pulling me up to the next branch. And so I would cry, and he would pull a little harder, and then I would cry some more, and then finally he would let me down. Now I have a son. He'll be three tomorrow, and we like to, rough, to roughhouse and wrestle a little bit. And as we're wrestling, inevitably he will begin to cry because I tend to roughhouse a little too rough. And when he begins to cry, as a good dad, I know that means it's almost time to stop wrestling. And we'll go a couple minutes longer, and then finally I'll let him up and he'll run to mom, and I'll lie about it. <laughs> but we're talking about some serious DNA issues that I'm working through here. And even, even to the point where natural talents of mine get me in trouble and end up being weak spots. I'm pretty good at uh, recalling information. I'm pretty quick on my feet. And so in a trivial pursuit game, I'm a great partner. You want me on your team. But it can cause some tension at home because as I recall information and recall events, and as I get into debate mode, I have the ability, and some of you can relate to this, I have the ability to be right, even if I know I'm wrong, and even if she knows I'm wrong. And poor Kathy gets the brunt of it, because I love to debate, and I'm really good at it, and it causes some trouble. And here, here's the best way to explain the way my mouth works, okay? I, I'm, like, I'm like a modern-day rock song, and here's what I mean by that. Most of you guys grew up a little bit earlier with classic rock or into the hair bands of the 80s. I'm a, I'm a late 80s mid-90s kind of a guy. But rock back then usually started slow. It, it allowed you to get a feel for things. And, and sometimes you'd be three minutes into the song and you don't know if it's Celine Dion or Metallica. You gotta give it time to really get a feel for it. That's not me. I'm more of a modern rock song where you listen now and right from the get-go, three seconds in, you know exactly that, what that song's intent is and it's to melt your face. And so out of the gate, I'm out there. Hi, here's what's on my mind. Whoa, let me back off a little bit. Maybe apologize for what just came out. Let me chill and get a feel for it. That's me. I'm not a classic rock song. I'm a crazy in your face 2013 rock song, okay? But here's the thing. I'm out there. I'm funny. I walk the line. I'm the guy you want to be around at a party. I can be crazy. I can be fun. But inevitably... I say something stupid, or I say something inappropriate, or I say something I don't mean, and I hurt people. And usually I'm just trying to be funny. Usually I'm just throwing stuff out there. It's not something I intend to say. And even with my kids, I, my, my oldest daughter, she's four, and in those four short years, I've already snapped at her more than any other person on the face of this earth in four years of life. And so over these years, looking back from middle school on to now, even though I've progressed, I've gotten better, I promise you I'm not always a mean person. But I've discovered that I'm not necessarily funny. I'm just a jerk. But this is something I can hide. I, I can get away with it because I think it's something that so many people struggle with that we just, that we let it go. But here's the biggest issue. Right in the midst of the chaos caused by our words, we try to pretend like they're no big deal. 
We've got all kinds of excuses, don't we? We say things like, it's just part of the game. Well, he said this first, or she did that first, and so I had to get back at them. We say, I was just being funny. I was just messing around. No big deal. We say, I didn't know he was there. I wouldn't have said it if I knew he was standing there. I've been under a lot of stress, or I had a little too much to drink that night. But even in the midst of all those excuses, we don't have to look very far to see the consequences of what our words can do in the world. Think about politicians. Think about elections that have been won and lost because of words and actions from years earlier. The the scenario that always sticks in my head is the 04 election between Bush and John Kerry, where here's a a very well-respected senator, someone who's been a civil servant and and a, a servant to his country for decades, And a guy like John Kerry, very in large part, lost that election because of words and actions in and around the Vietnam War 30 years earlier. That's a big deal. Think about things that people said to you in high school that hurt. You still remember them, don't you? Think about things you heard from your parents, things your spouse has said to you, things friends have said to you. Positive or negative, you remember them, don't you? And then there's things that you say that are going the other way. And as a result of our carelessness and the lack of respect for our words, we see friendships gone. We've seen families broken apart by it. Some of you have been a part of churches that have split because of things people have said. Some of you have experienced job situations where your role has been marginalized or you've even lost your job because of something you said. And so we experience lives that are full of regret because... We have this mindset that if I just say the right thing at the right time or avoid saying the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person, I'm good. But no, it's more than that, you guys. It's a bigger deal than that. And I think before we can go about fixing it, we really have to grasp just how big of a deal it is. And I want to show you what I mean because this isn't something that started in 2013. This didn't originate with me. This goes back to the beginning of time when human beings started talking. And the Bible addresses it. And there's some cool passages I want to hit for you. First one's going to be in James chapter 3. This is a little bit longer than a typical passage we would read. So whether it's your iPad or your Bible or you're following on the screen, stick with me, okay? So here we go in James chapter 3, starting in verse 2. It says, We all stumble in many ways. Those who are never at fault in what they say are perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the entire animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a very small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell? Are you getting the gravity of this a little bit? All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have have been tamed by human beings, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Those are some pretty intense descriptive words for your tongue, am I right? A poison, a fire from hell. We can tame beasts, but we can't tame the tongue. And if you can tame your mouth, 
You can do anything. That's how difficult it is. Now, I think James is looking at a culture 2,000 years ago that was experiencing the same issues that we experience today. I think people were a little bit complacent about what they were doing with their words. And so I think James is using these crazy, intense descriptions in order to break down that complacency and rebuild it with a sense of urgency. Now that's just the first step. The next passage I want to hit on makes it a little bit more personal, I think. Because I think we've got a general idea of the intensity of this. But if we look at Luke chapter 6, it gets a little bit more personal for us. This is going to be Jesus talking. And listen to how he describes our mouths. In Luke 6, 43, it says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. People, good people bring good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Apparently, what we say reveals far more about us than we ever anticipated. The words coming out of your mouth reveal far more about you than you ever thought. Now here's how I want us to look at this. You've heard of the quote, the eyes are the window to the soul? Well, I want to propose to you today that if the eyes are the window to the soul, perhaps your mouth is the soundtrack of your soul. Think about a movie or a TV show. I want you to picture a beach scene, okay? Beautiful day, blue sky, sun is shining, there's families, there's kids playing in the water. There's people sunbathing. There's a guy playing catch with his dog down the beach. And all of a sudden, in the midst of this beautiful beach scene, the music changes. Now here's the thing. The beach scene is the exact same. There's still people hanging out. There's families all over. There's kids in the water. There's people sunbathing. There's a guy playing catch with his dog. Actually, no, he's not playing catch with his dog anymore. I'm not sure why. He can't, he can't find his dog right now. But everything about the beach is the exact same. But when the music changes, you and I both know somebody's going to bleed. The music revealed something happening beneath the surface, no pun intended, that was far more than we could see with our eyes. Think about Star Wars, when the music changes and you know that a Jedi is about to do something really cool. The soundtrack reveals the emotion of the moment. It signals what's about to happen, what's, what is happening, the rise and the fall, the good and the evil, the darkness and the light, all things that you can't see, but when you hear the music change, you know that something is happening that's a little bit deeper than what you can see. And so this is much more than no big deal. This is much more than something we can explain away. Your mouth is your heart on display for the world to see. And that brings up a huge question that I had to ask myself as I dealt with this talk. And so I decided to sit down and ask the question, what has my mouth said about me lately? What soundtrack am I playing for the world? And so what I did is I just took two or three weeks and looked back on things that I had said to people, about people, in conversation, in whatever, whatever context I was in, I thought back on things I had said, and I just wrote down what I think those things said about me. I love to laugh, and I see humor in life. I love those close to me. I love my wife, my kids, our team here at the church. 
If I'm wrong, I will admit it, eventually, and apologize if necessary. I discovered that I'm way more patient with your kids at church than with my kids at home. Any teachers out there maybe relate with that one? I'm judgmental and I lack empathy. I demand justice way, way, way before granting mercy. I know and cherish the words of God, but I struggle to live them out. And even after all these years, I still struggle with the choice between getting a laugh and protecting the feelings of a friend. And so here's what we need to grasp this morning. We've got lots of excuses And maybe you're like me and you just didn't mean it. Maybe you were just fooling around, just being funny. But the reality is you found yourself in situations where your wife is crying or your husband is extremely frustrated. Your kids are trying to figure out what's going on. Your boss is up to his last nerve. Your friends and coworkers are rolling their eyes and you have relationships that have become less and less influential because of things that you've said. Maybe you didn't mean it. But here's the reality. Our words are unforgettable, not because they're 100% true. Your words are unforgettable because they are 100% you. What you say is a perfect representation of who you are beneath the surface, on the inside. And that makes it a really big deal, you guys. And so you have to ask the question, You know, maybe it's a journal for you. That's just how I chose to do it this time. But as I look back on the things that my words have said about me, I have to continually ask the question, what soundtrack am I living out? What soundtrack are you living out? Now here's the positive spin on this. Okay, look at Psalm 1914. We have a say in this because your mouth is the soundtrack of your soul, but you can choose the playlist. Psalm 1914, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. These are not the words of a hapless bystander. These are the words of someone who recognizes that there's a choice to be made, and when they make their choice, they want it to be good and pleasing and honorable and encouraging and life-giving. We have a choice in this. But we have to be willing to ask the questions and get into the stuff of figuring out what our soundtrack sounds like. The battle for your heart is seeping and pouring out of your mouth. You are what you say. This is not no big deal. And so we have to ask the question, what has your mouth said about you lately? And more importantly, how can you then go about changing the tone of your soundtrack? Honestly, I think it starts with evaluating your soundtrack. What's coming out? Evaluate your soundtrack. What are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? Who's hearing it? Who's receiving it? How are they reacting to it? What are the short-term and long-term consequences that you're experiencing as a result of what you've said? You've got to evaluate because honestly, some of you guys think that you're a love story when in reality, you're more of a horror flick. And you gotta figure that out. You gotta know, and here's an extra tip. If you're having trouble deciding what your words are saying, ask somebody. Because I can tell you right now, the people closest to you know exactly what you've said and know exactly what it said about you. 
get some help with it. Ask the people you trust. Ask people that you love. Let them tell you what your mouth has been saying. And then once you hear that, once you've evaluated that, you've got to figure out what they're saying about you on a deeper level. Now here's the thing. This is the point in the talk when I could throw all kinds of tips at you for how to bite your tongue. I could say things that would blow your mind, like, think before you speak. Whoa! Or, if it's going to be hurtful or offensive, don't say it. Pfft, mind blown, right? I just, just messed with you. But here's the thing. Our goal today isn't to walk out with tips on how to keep our mouth shut. The goal isn't to get to the point where we can avoid saying the wrong thing at the wrong t- time to the wrong person. The goal is to progress to the point where you don't have to worry about what's coming out and when because the source is right. That's our ultimate goal. And so from the point of evaluation and and figuring out what's coming out your mouth, the next step is not to figure out how to control it. The next step is to aggressively treat the root issue. What's in here? What's on the inside? And I think the best way to do that is to limit access to your heart. It says in Proverbs to guard your heart because everything else flows from it. And so I'll give you the advice that we give our students, that you guys teach your kids as they're growing up, but so often we ignore it as adults. And it's the simple phrase, input equals output. Input equals output. What's coming into your heart visually? What's coming in audibly? What's coming in via the relationships that you allow to be close and personal in your life? The people who have the most influence around you. What's coming in? Because the things that are coming in are eventually going to come out no matter how many tips I give you, no matter how many skills you have at biting your tongue, at the wrong time and the wrong place in front of the wrong people, it will come out. And so it has to be more than surface level stuff. You've got to get to the root issue. You've got to guard your heart and take care of the things that are going in. It even applies to how you talk to yourself and how you think about yourself. It matters. And as a part of this whole process, I want to encourage you, if you've hurt people, if you've said stupid things like I have, apologize where it's necessary. Ask forgiveness where it's necessary. And allow them to experience healing from your words in the same way they've experienced hurt and frustration from your words. And that can all build into this process of fixing your heart. But here's the biggest deal of all. To truly fix your words, you've got to fix your heart. But to truly fix your heart, your heart has to belong to the author of the words of life, and that's Jesus. And we can do all we can to battle this. You can evaluate yourself, you can start working on what's allowed into your heart, what you're taking in, who you allow to be influential in your life. You can do all of those things and make some pretty good progress. But unless you have a relationship with Christ, This is never going to be all the way right. This is never going to be clean. And you're never going to have full control over what's coming out. And so it has to begin there. And so I want to challenge you guys today. I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never made that decision to give your heart to Jesus, make today the day. And it's as simple as this. It's as simple as acknowledging that God sent Jesus to live on this earth and die as a sacrifice for us so all the junk in here and all the junk that comes out here can be taken care of and forgiven and fixed at the source because he owns it and he's cleaning it 
and he's taken over. And so do me this favor. If everybody would bow your head and close your eyes, we're gonna pray in a second. And if that's you, I would love for you to pray this with me. Not out loud, just in the quietness of your own heart. Make these words your own. Say them to God and just pray this and say, God, I need more than just me. God, I'm trying to fix stuff. I'm trying to manage my heart. I'm trying to manage my words. But God, it's just not happening. I need you. I need you to take control of my life. I need you on the inside, working on me from the inside out. God, come into my life. Thank you for sending Jesus as a sacrifice for me so that I could be forgiven and start over. And God, from this point forward, help me to love you and live for you. Amen. If you do me one favor, if you prayed that today, or even if you made any other decision, we'd love to hear about it. Because these are decisions that are personal, they're between you and God, but we want to help you. We want to pray for you, we want to encourage you, we want to get some information in your hands that can help you take some next steps. So if you would, take out the program that you got on your way in the doors, and there's a tab that's perforated on the inside, you can tear that off, and at the bottom, there's a, a spot you can check that says, today I prayed to receive Jesus Christ into my life for the first time. If you would check that and leave it in the boxes on your way out the door, we would love to see those. We would love to come alongside you in any way. And if you made that decision or any other decision, we want to hear about it. Because here's the deal, guys. That's the next step for some of you. Some of you need to get into a small group setting where you can be encouraged and be held accountable to the things that you're saying and living as a result of what's in your heart. Some of you, maybe uh, the next step for you is Starting Point, which is a class that we have throughout the year, and it gives you a chance to really connect with the basics of our faith and who you are in Christ. Some of you maybe need to pull aside a journal, or even in your head, think back on the things that you've said over the last couple weeks, and really evaluate what's coming out and what it means. Because if we think back on our passage from James, where it talks about the ship and the rudder, you are in control of a very large very influential ship and you're at the helm you're steering and on that ship there are lives there are dreams there are destinies there are souls and yeah as the captain we have an opportunity to do a lot of damage and cause a lot of hurt but at the same time we have an opportunity to bring so much life and encouragement to the people around us but it has to start here and so as you go out today and wrap up your Labor Day weekend, I just want to encourage you, make sure that your words are unforgettable for all the right reasons. Have a great weekend, guys. Be sure to come back for Origins next week. We'll see you next time.